0: Welcome to the Cloud Architects Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people
1: using it. The Cloud Architects Podcast is sponsored by Kemp Technologies. Choose Kemp to optimize your multi-cloud application deployments and simplify multi-cloud application management. A single pane of glass for application delivery, Kemp provides a 360-degree view of your entire application environment and even third-party ADCs download KEMP360 for free today at kemptechnologies.com.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to Microsoft Ignite 2019. We are in the podcast booth area, booth number four. We have four people in the room. I'm Warren DeToy and I'm with my co-hosts, Nicholas Blank, Chris Goosen. And today we have a very special guest and we have a contentious subject. We say the words a well sorry it's an acronym (laughs) the words amazon web services and we're here with mike Pfeiffer. mike
3: what's happening what's up you guys i'm super pumped to be here really appreciate you guys having me on and uh hope you guys are having a great conference so far oh yeah it's gonna be awesome today has been
0: crazy my feet are already sore and it's (laughs) like day one yeah it is day one Yeah.
3: yeah yes yeah you're gonna need to take next week off probably to recover I wish. Yeah, that right, is right. the right. truth, right? I, I was waiting for you guys to laugh at that. But. No, no, but it's, 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 it's actually true, and, and and
0: you know we're back together again too, right? It's yeah. been it's been a good, I don't know, like six or seven months since we were actually all, like in the same. Lost Room, the yeah. Lost no, the actually, well, we did shoot some, uh, record some at Summit, so we were oh, yes. kind of recording. You're right. Summit, You're right. Yes, but watch. it's it's always good when we when we're back together. So yeah, but we're really pleased to have you on the show. And I'm let's let's get um let's let's get sort of uh, introduction rolling here. So you have a particularly interesting, I guess, uh, history and background in, in in tech and what you've been doing over the last few years. And we've no, we've known each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking; we hadn't seen each other in probably six or seven years. So time goes by so quickly. But, you know, give the folks at home a, a rundown of, of who you are and what you do. Sure.
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I started 20 years ago. Started in the late 90s. And I was basically just a kid living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I, uh, I was not a computer science major. I actually dropped out of college a couple times. Um, and when I was living in Albuquerque, I got lucky and got a help desk job that I was not qualified for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my first phone job ever was America Online. Remember the old school AOL, you know, dial-up? <laughs> Uh, so that was kind of the early uh, kind of entry point into tech. But that's when
2: they designed the web interface for AWS. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> it's like the backbone, right, <laughs> of everything they've ever done. <laughs> no,
3: but um, that was a cool, you know, kind of experience for me to break into an emerging industry. You know, the internet was starting to take off, and you know, Microsoft was starting to take over client-server networking. At the time, NetWare owned kind of like the server side, right, and it was a different world, but. I was lucky enough to get in i got obsessed with technology at that at that point and you know i've always kind of had to elbow my way in because at least that's what i felt in that era right because i wasn't a college graduate and i wasn't a computer science expert but i was passionate and you know i think for me like that's been the, the reoccurring theme in my career i'm always trying to learn the next thing um, and I think that that's, you know, if you look at my past, that's kind of what I've done. I've never worked anywhere for longer to three and a half years. Um, you know, after the first couple of years of doing help desk, I went into IT consulting, because certifications propelled me into, you know, being an M- MCSE and being able to play that game. And then um, I spent a couple of years as a .NET web developer, which was interesting, and I quickly learned that writing code is fun, but it's not something I want to do 40 hours a week. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went back to infrastructure and I've been kind of playing both ever since. And you guys know me well from the exchange world. And so I, when I was doing That's a lot how
1: we do know you from the exchange right. world. Yeah. As a, a th- the exchange guy. So yes. knowing you as an exchange guy, I'm surprised that you have this coding background.
3: Yeah, you know, I think that for me, it's just int- my personal interest in it. I know it's not for everybody, and that's cool. You know what I mean? But I al- was always fascinated with web development. Even in the late 90s, I tried to build websites when I was doing the, the help desk stuff. And I always just did that on the side. And it ended up being, you know, something I did for two years professionally. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, after that, I was like, all right, I don't want to do this 40 hours a week, I just want it to kind of be a side hustle. Um, and that's what I did. And so when I got back into infrastructure after doing a couple of years of .NET web development, in the very early days of .NET, like really, like right after it came out, um, I noticed that every customer that I was working with had exchange servers. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting angle for me. And so I pushed the chips into the table, and I was like, this is what I'm going to focus on. Um, But as you guys know, that takes you into AD, Mm. and lots of infrastructure, and lots of architecture, Mm. and really everything, right? You get sucked into everything. Networking, security, um, performance, all that stuff. So I really enjoyed that, and I think that that set me up for what I'm doing today, which you know, in 2012, 2013, I left Microsoft, I went to work at AWS, and I've been just strictly doing cloud ever since. And it's been kind of like, you know, amplified my career another time. And so that's kind of my backstory. And today I run a company called CloudSkills.io. I have a podcast of my own called CloudSkills.fm. And uh, you know, I'm just working with customers on Azure and AWS projects, hoping to add in some Google stuff next year. That was something I wanted to do this year, didn't happen. So that's kind of how I came up in the uh, industry and that's what I'm working on today.
1: Let me ask, where did the Amazon experience come from? Because you were traditionally a Microsoft guy. Yes. So was it customer demand or how did that happen? So, and I never told
3: this story before, so I'm excited that you asked that because I've never gotten into it with anybody, but so there was a guy at AWS, his name was Ulf Shu, and he was a 20-year Microsoft veteran. He's like a principal program manager. He went over to AWS as a solutions architect. You know, this must have been 2011 or something and he was just a regular SA, you know, helping people with cloud projects, but he started building solutions, white papers with a infrastructure template, package it all up, give it to the customers. That got really famous within the Amazon world, and he spent a couple of years building a bunch more, and it became so popular that AWS was like, let's build a team to do this. Let's get a bunch of people, let's make a big effort, push this out, so my, he was Microsoft-focused, right? So his. You know, Ulf's kind of thing was, how do you run Windows Server on AWS? How do you run Microsoft SQL? How do you do SharePoint? How do you do Exchange? And he was the guy that was saying, here's how you do it, because he understood the AWS side, he was a real good Microsoft expert, and so he closed that gap. But what happened was, once he got tapped on the shoulder to go up to the you know, senior leadership at AWS, there was an opening. And so I took his job, we built a team, and that team is still going to this day. It's AWS Quick Start. And okay. you know, there's hundreds, or man, I don't know, if it's hundreds, dozens, tons and tons of reference architectures of just common enterprise workloads. Everything's you know kind of packaged up real nice together. Good architectural guidance, some automation. It's just a nice solution. And so it's very much like uh, Azure Quick Start, yeah. uh, which I, I loved when they came out with that after we created AWS Quick Start because <laughs> it's kind of validating <laughs> that hey, we're doing something that people like. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that that was my in and. I think for me, honestly, probably one of the biggest things going through the interview process was when the hiring manager saw that I'd written a PowerShell book, which was exchange related actually. He's like, man, you wrote a book on PowerShell? Um, and that wasn't just a free pass to get in because I don't know if you guys are aware of the Amazon interview style. No, Mm-mm. It's pretty, pretty hard. So it's like, you know, they do multiple phone screens and then you have an interview loop an all day interview with like six, seven different people from different groups inside the company. And they beat you up pretty good and make sure you're culture fit. And if you're not, they send you packing. And I know lots of people that were qualified that didn't get in just because of that whole process. So you could be awesome and still not make it in because of lots of variables. Sometimes they're not just technical, right? Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, it's not easy to get in. So I got lucky, I think, having that experience maybe not lucky, but that was a good positioning play for me. You know, I was a PowerShell expert, and they knew that they needed to help with automation, Mm. mainly in the Microsoft space, and so that got me in the door, and then once I was in the door, you know, learned AWS um, and just started geeking out on it. So that's how I kind of transitioned out of Microsoft stuff. I mean, still do Microsoft stuff all the time, but that's how I got out of traditional Microsoft infrastructure, which I was doing 15 years before that, basically.
2: You see, that's, that's the word you're using there and it's like tr- traditional, right? Yes. Yeah. So, we, I see this happening quite a bit is you've got these die-hard open source dudes that will only use AWS. right? Okay. Even though Microsoft is the number one open source contributor on the planet, yes. they ignore this fact and you've got this sort of cult, almost hippie following mm-hmm. behind AWS. And what it stands for, even the names they use, and those kinds of things, which guys are very, very attracted to, and because of that, they sort of won't sort of shift their mentality to the Microsoft way.
3: Except Do you find with that visual it th- code. <laughs> right.
2: They're all yeah. on Visual Studio Ex- Code. Yeah, so for cool. sure. <laughs> oh, really? No, 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 for sure. I mean, code has taken over. But you know, it's, it's an know elect- Electron app, and you can run it in Linux, and <laughs> right. life is good. So it's more like a. Um, when you have your clients and your clients are saying look we want a strategy of some sort whether it's multi-cloud or not how can you how do you normally break that gap mm-hmm. how do you normally get past that how do you show them the azure light or show them the aws light? because obviously let's try to remain neutral sure oh, but or should you right well and, and I, I think that's yeah, the reason yeah we're yeah. yeah
3: i would say yes and that's how we handle it with our customers i don't go in there and presume that Azure is the best play for them, because mm. it might not be. Yeah. Their team may be experienced with you know, Linux only and have zero Microsoft background, um, but you know that's just one variable. Maybe they're trying to move a SharePoint farm into the cloud, right? On traditional VMs, there's traditional again. But you know what I mean? Maybe they're trying to take something from the Microsoft space that's a better fit in Azure. Maybe they're trying to do something very you know um, progressive with Active Directory and identity, right? And like obviously Azure's going to be a better play for that. Um, so I'm always trying to gauge, like, how we set them up for success and not play politics. I, you know, I don't care if they pick one over the other, if it makes sense based on the skills that they have, based on the team, based on the goals going forward. Um, I don't try to get religious about it, and yeah. <clears throat> I won't work with customers that are, you know, I, I, I generally don't have a problem with it, mm. but if I had the customer push back on my recommendations that much, I'd be like, well, what are you hiring me for then? Yeah, right. And I would, and I have no problem at this point. Um, being picky with who I work with that 's why I run a small company yeah you know i'm not trying to build a Microsoft partner that's you know doing all this crazy stuff it's more about me being able to do the projects I want to work on and actually add value uh, so for me that's the the measuring stick is does it make sense for the company? Can they even pull it off yeah uh, because just because I'm telling them what to do doesn't mean their team's going to be able to do it, and that's mm-hmm. a variable that you got to think about so that's kind of how I try to gauge it, and what i've noticed is that you know people are kicking the tires a lot on both oh yes and then that helps them gain context and then make a decision so i haven't had too many yet that are religious about it but that's kind of how i handle it and when so there's a bias that's how i kind those are the things that i kind of push against
0: so the question i i have is i mean are there situations that make sense to have both right because so, so the trend that i've seen with with the customers i work with is um there is a little bit of that religious, like, oh, well we're a Microsoft shop, so we're gonna go down the Azure path. Or you know, AWS, maybe they've, they've been doing it a little lot longer yeah. in terms of cloud, cloud adoption. Um, but then there's also situations like mergers and acquisitions where you've bought a company that is now fully AWS and you're mm-hmm. on Azure. Uh, you know, do you need to go and take all that stuff and just shift it or is there, are there scenarios where multi-cloud works or even makes sense for a customer? Is it very largely dependent on what it is they're doing?
3: I think it is. I think it's hundred percent dependent on what they're doing. I don't think multi-cloud just for the sake of it mm. makes any sense.
1: Like a risk mitigation exercise, or even a commercial pressure exercise. And that's where I was going to go right. with that, right? Is this? Absolutely.
0: I, I've heard. I've had customers say to me that we're exploring both options because we we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. Yeah. Or be but, locked but in. But let's be honest. This is a very big basket, right? Yes. And yes. the basket has a lot of safeguards and mitigations <laughs> built into it. So. It does that all
3: even make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is this. You know, it's it, it, you don't need to go multi-cloud until you've gotten good with one. Mm-hmm. So if you're not good yet with the one, which most companies aren't mm. at this point, I don't know about you guys as customers, but none of the ones I work with are, you know, phenomenal
1: at cloud. What does that mean to be good?
3: Well, number <laughs> one, not to overspend. Every customer that I go in and work with, mm. you know, they need help, and that totally makes sense. But they're all overspending. Mm-hmm. Right, and so until you've got that figured out, don't go off and do another cloud. It's right? definitely a
0: different mindset, right? Like even in in the pro- productivity a- arena, where you know historically you built an Exchange server and you paid for the hardware that it was that it was living on, and, and you just spin up mailboxes as, as yes. you want. You don't yeah. care, right? So s- similarly, if you have this virtual environment or VMware infrastructure where you're just burning yeah. VMs up all the time, yeah, who cares? It's a VM, right? It's but so in true. the cloud. You can't do that, because every time you do that, there's, there's the dollars are just going shing shing Yeah, you're hearing dollar signs, exactly. right?
3: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true. I, I remember the first company I ever helped set up VMware for, and this was like 2007. They were all physical servers, right? And they pushed back against VMs. It's history repeating itself, right? Mm-hmm. We set up clusters of you know virtual machine, or uh, vSphere clusters and all that stuff, right? Next thing you know, like 500 VMs for a place that has 500 employees, right? Yes. And yep. so just to your point, like yep. once you have that thing, you start spinning stuff up, yep. but that's, you know, the cloud is the equalizer. Like you, you get caught immediately in the cloud. Yes. And so uh, you just overspend. So, you know, most customers that I've worked with are not operationally efficient yet at one cloud. And so until you are, going to a second one doesn't make sense because let's face it, there's not great management tools that kind of cover everything, right? Yes. And you kind of need to have some kind of system, I think it's too early Mm. for people, like for 99% of businesses to be effective with multi-cloud. I mean, it's just, maybe if you're like storing offsite backups of one and doing everything else in another one, Mm. you know, but like literally spanning an architecture across both clouds, I mean, I don't even know who, like who would do that, Netflix maybe? Like Mm -hmm. most people aren't gonna be able to pull it off at this stage based on the resources they have available to them. And so multi-cloud to me is like way too early of a conversation for most Mm. customers.
1: Well you mentioned the friction there is cost or cost management and operational management. Then let's assume we're good. Let's assume you've got a traditional AWS customer and they kicked the tires on IaaS, and they became more mature and followed a, a services model before infrastructure eventually, so we've got the whole app modernization story going. Right? Why would they consider Azure? Or why would a mature Azure customer consider Amazon?
3: I love this question because you know, three years if you would have asked me this, I would have I said for sure like, everybody should go to AWS if they're going to do production workloads, and I don't feel like that anymore. I think um, you know, right now what, what's happening is Microsoft's doing a really great job with governance and policy and you know, role-based access controls and all of these things that we basically got with Active Directory. Mm. And you're going to get that now in Azure, that's going ge- to change the game. Like once Azure policy is like, you know, a little bit further ahead from where it is now, I'm not saying it's not good enough, just saying once it's even more in depth, like enterprises are just going to flock to it because they already got AD anyways, um, but I think long term, you know, you mentioned AWS was early, right? That helped them in the beginning, but they haven't been building software since 1975. Mm. Microsoft yeah. has, and that yeah. matters. It like does. And so, like, it's just gonna, it's gonna catch up. Like, they're gonna close the gap. And, th- you know, in my view, based on what I'm seeing and all the services and stuff, they're probably gonna pass AWS at some point. Um, that's my, my view right now.
1: Is it um, fair to say that from a a management and governance point of view they have, and I'm going to pick on portal. There's one, right? As opposed to, I have a storage console, I have a network console, I have an IaaS console. I have all these different consoles, and I have different entry points in different languages for different things. In Azure, arguably, I've got one portal in one language. Right,
3: yeah, that's going to really help Microsoft. Microsoft's awesome at building management tools. They always have been. They're awesome at building user interfaces. Like I said, that's going to catch up. That's going to matter. If you look at what AWS is doing in their developer tools teams, right? If you look at their builder tools, it's like nine different services, like all the CI, CD stuff, even their command line interface stuff. It's not even close right now to where Microsoft stuff is. And so, yeah, AWS was early on virtual machines and store, like object storage and things like that. But they weren't early on most of the other stuff. Like they've only been building software since 1995 or whatever, Mm. Um, so. Again, I think that that's going to make a big difference, and I think that that's going to be what sends Microsoft over the top uh, going forward. And like I said before, you know, most people right now have Active Directory in an enterprise space. AWS got a lot of traction in the early days from startups and non-enterprise type companies, and they've been trying to win the enterprise over the last couple of years. They've done a, a decent job, but management tools matter, tooling matters. You know, like if you big just time. look at their developer tooling, it's Visual Studio Code, and it just it's good. And it helps people get the job done. And having multiple consoles is one that is a is a definitely a, you know and pain
2: point. And it's strange, right? Because when you think about the history of Amazon, okay, and you look back at Jeff Bezos and he said, "I need you to make the least amount of clicks <laughs> for somebody to purchase something," mm. okay. And the guys came back and they tried for, I think it was 12 months or whatever the the story goes, and they got it down to 12, 12 clicks to get somebody out the door, credit card, the works. He said, no, it's not enough. One click, one click and you can buy something. Now you know, Amazon, you can. Mm. One click and you've got it bought. So you take the same principle and apply (laughs) it to the virtual machine. Or am I not seeing this correctly? Well, and that's an interesting (laughs) point, right? Because
3: that's because Amazon's culture Mm. is customer obsession first. That's their leading, that's their guiding principle. Microsoft could arguably be called that, but that's not their core guiding principle. They're main, they're competitor obsessed, Mm. right? Lotus Mm -hmm. Notes, right? Netware. Yep. they're always looking at what works and then like taking it to the next level. Mm. Amazon's good at like focusing on customer experience. So in your point of retail, one-click checkout, cool. But if I'm a, you know, an infrastructure person, that's what was good about EC, or that's what still what's good about EC two, mm. right? Is you can go deep. And yep. as an infrastructure person, like I, if I'm if I'm thinking about being customer obsessed to an infrastructure person, I want to give them all the bells and whistles that I could couple up with. But you know, I think we're getting to the point now where it's like. It's just a lot, right? Yeah. It's a lot of information. And now we're getting to the scale issue where it's like, how do you manage all this stuff? Now it's starting to grow and it's an interesting time. And I think
0: you made, a, you made a good point or an interesting point about the traction that uh, Amazon gained early on was with these sort of hip startup companies or companies who were not necessarily enterprise, right? Because they had developers who were, who were potentially building stuff and they didn't mind having a platform that they could build their own stuff on, right? Now I, had, I have a customer or I had a customer they're still a customer, I guess, <laughs> who um, they, they were on Google for the longest period of time. And they absolutely loved it because it wasn't polished for them, right? They mm. had the service. They got the email and whatever they needed. But all of the their, their integration that they had or all of the um, provisioning, deprovisioning, all of that stuff was custom built by them. They mm. built their own stuff on, on Rails to do that because they could plug into all the APIs. It was really sexy when you looked at it and you thought, man, this is great that you have a whole in-house development team that can build the provisioning portal that you need. But most customers don't have that, right? Not at all. And, and, I, and I kind of see AWS being similar to that in that if you have the know-how and the knowledge to be able to go, I'm gonna, I am w- want to build a, a platform that provisions machines for, for myself. Mm. I don't care what your interface looks like. I'm going to redo it myself anyway you have access to all of those APIs and all of that kind of stuff, and you can go a- have at it. Yeah. Whereas Microsoft is saying, we like to wrap it in a really pretty bow for you mm-hmm. so that you don't have to worry about the management piece.
3: It's a good point. I mean, it's really true. I, I believe that uh, you know Amazon's stuff is deep because of that purpose, right? They want to give those hardcore customers the tools and services they need, but it could be a huge hill to climb for most most
1: enterprises, especially when they're not super experienced. Just define that for us, so we understand, for example, if we're looking at a virtual machine, I'm going to argue, and, and Warren's going to correct me, that if I'm going to look at what level of control I have, mm-hmm. once I go down to the resource template, there's not much I can't do, mm-hmm. right? So what do I lose in Azure versus EC2?
3: I think that we're getting to the point now where there's not much, right? Like there for a long time where there was a lot you could do <coughs> in EC2, for a long time there was a lot you could do in EC2 that you couldn't do in Azure Virtual Machines, but that's starting to change. Um, and so I've been impressed with what Microsoft's doing with the virtual machines, like they've added a lot of management capabilities and stuff like that. I think one place, where they've closed the gap recently is like with the image marketplace and maybe the image capture process. So I got a lot of customers that still, I mean, we pretty much work on deployment automation. Yeah, i well, still doing It wasn't very stuff. easy. It was <laughs> definitely not easy. And I mean, it's still, you know, could use yeah. some spit and polish. AWS has experienced for that. That's just one small place where EC2 is really slick. The ability to like create copies of your virtual machine or create images, mm. copy those images around easily to different regions and stuff. There's things like that, like you know, under the hood that are really good. And well, Microsoft will get there. Um, so I would say right now there's not a huge there's not a huge thing for me. Um, I think there's a big difference where I would say oh EC two is so much better over here. You know, auto scaling in EC two. It's pretty slick because it's been around so long, it works really well, it's fast. Um, and I, So, I think you know, if you're thinking about auto-scaling virtual machines, probably right now AWS uh, auto-scaling in EC2 is probably a little bit more mature than virtual machine scale sets in Azure. But I don't think, it, you know, I don't think it's going to be long um, before Microsoft is competing in, in every single category in virtual machines just as good mm. as EC2. I mean, there's not that big a difference at this point.
2: But then um, I guess if you think about we can always turn it around okay so take your question and flip it around so you can go deeper into ec2 you have more customization on specific pieces however that also leaves more opportunity for mistake yeah. right so let's say provisioning a virtual network of some sort let's say in azure Azure is going to say to you we're locking this stuff down for a reason there's yes. something that you can't get to because of X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. So, Amazon, okay, would Amazon do the same thing based on that principle? So, the idea is Microsoft's giving you guardrails so that you don't have a problem later on. I mean, ideally, your your um, security, your edge now lies with identity. I mean, in some way, shape, or form, it's identity. You know, your databases are on the cloud. They are act publicly accessible and so the person then becomes your edge the person who's consuming your product okay and the old traditional firewall port blocking whatever the kind of is. and so from an amazon perspective how do you maintain that identity um as opposed to in azure when you you know exactly what that identity is that identity is uniform across the grid I'm going to argue
1: that the, the the killer application for Azure is Azure AD. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, it's it is the ultimate like upper hand yeah. that Microsoft has right now. Yeah, hundred percent. And compliance-wise,
2: I mean, mm. like I don't know how many certifications uh, uh, Amazon does.
3: Amazon's have. got tons and tons oh, of, really? of compliance okay. certifications. Yeah. that do really good there, um, you know. But I think I think n- what Nicholas was saying is spot on. I mean, Azure AD. That's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Azure policy is going to be a big difference. Like, imagine 18 months from now, what you're going to be able to do with Azure policy Mm. that you won't be able to do at
2: all in AWS. That's going to (laughs) matter,
3: big time. But
2: you're seeing it already. I mean, you've already got a really bunch of angry devs at the moment because they can't do things in Azure because policy is stopping them from doing it. Which is great because they shouldn't have access in the first place.
3: Correct, but here's the thing that I'll push back on. at least to make sure I'm I'm clear on with that, because I fight this battle all the time. You can't not give them access, you can't not give developers access to the cloud and then expect them to understand what's going on in production. You should give them a sandbox that they, you know, their own subscription where they can go in and you need to empower them with the architectural diagram and everything, and templates, automation for the stuff we have in production, so they can at least, you know, if they can't bring it up in a dev environment, they can bring it up in their own environment and understand what's happening in production because there's way too many companies right now that are just locking the devs out and expecting them to check code into a repository and have a release pipeline bring it into production and they have no perspective on what they're supposed to be doing or they don't even understand like the technologies involved. Mm. So I 100% agree developers should not be touching production resources mm. and that's, you know, we have tight controls for that in, in almost every cloud that we want to go into However, like the expectation of just thinking somebody's just going to magically know like, or it's going to write good software when they don't know how the system or the platform works, Mm. that's just not going to play out. It's not going to work out.
1: Yep. Uh, Yep. The the best practice around this from an, an Azure point of view is to have multiple subscriptions. Yes. And the dev subscription should be a free-for-all within reason, right? Because you don't want them to bankrupt the company. That's right. So there should be a financial constraint, but not necessarily a, an API constraint. And then with that, you've got QA, which is much more restrictive, and then you've got Prod, which is super restrictive, right? right. So ideally, a developer should not be deploying or writing code into Prod. That's right. Because your DevOps process should mature your code pipeline That's to right. deploy.
3: Your, d- your pipeline should be doing all of the, all of the work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got all the controls in there, you've got all the policies, you know what's going on, you've got a, a history, you can go and see the, the, the audit trail. Um, but yeah, and, and, and it's interesting too, in Microsoft shops, developers usually have an MSDN subscription, yeah. so a lot of th- times they do have their own. But there's also lots of cases where I've gone in and you know the, the management is not allowing the team to test. You have to experiment in this world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't have an experimentation culture, mm. you're gonna spend too much money.
1: That is an yep. on-premises cultural yep. mindset, if I can call it that. That my sand's expensive, so you know, don't do anything that's gonna raise the IOPS, so no, you can't play. But what did you guys used to do
3: when you were getting ready to like, go to the MCM before you would go up, right? Mm-hmm. Like you guys would go in and build a, f- a huge farm or yes. like a huge forest of yes. VMs, and you would like, beat the hell out of that thing yes. before you ever showed up yep. for class, right? Yep. And I, d- I, mean I did the same thing. And so, like, we have to be able to do that. Yep. Right. And
0: I still work like that, though. Right. Like, like to me, it still is. I, I I mock up environments all the time, mm-hmm. and I think most most people in my team think I'm just ancient because I have you know a massive VM lab that I built stuff on. Because that's how that's how you do it. You know, I had someone ask me to write. A, a script for them the other day to do something, and I was like, yeah, but I don't have access to that thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, I can write it for you, but I don't—I can't test it if I don't have access to that thing. Yep. <laughs> um, it's its a very difficult situation, and we see this all the time with Office 365 with customers wanting to bring up all these elaborate solutions in their production tenant. You're like, mm, that's, you know, yes, you can be on different rings for the users to see what Microsoft are doing, but what what if that... Integration you want to do, you should be doing that in some sort of test environment mm. so that at least you can see what's going on. And it doesn't have to have 500 E3 licenses or 500 E5 licenses, you just need
3: one or two of each just to see. Yeah. People are overthinking some of that stuff, mm. you know? They're overthinking it and they just need to like experiment and have a learning culture and be open to change because mm. that's, the, that's the game that we're all yeah. in, right? Like, especially now when you can just move so fast. So I think that's where a lot of people are, a lot of companies that I'm working with are struggling. It's, it's more a human issue, a behavioral thing, mm-hmm. a culture thing, than it is a technology thing in oh a lot yeah. of cases.
1: Can we ask you to talk to the, the professional, the human, someone who is in the, the Amazon world and is considering the other cloud? You know? things are quite religious normally yep. so I'm either in the Amazon religion or the Azure uh, religion and
2: tell him to shave his beard and <coughs> take a shower first <laughs> and then make the decision <laughs> <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we, just lost, we just lost everyone who was listening to this podcast Sorry Jeez. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and, and it's spoken by the one guy with the beard
0: yeah. <laughs> in the room that's ironic part <laughs> of yeah. Yeah. and we got the applause in the background yeah. <laughs> so
1: let's talk to that professional bear in mind that you, you've got the develop experience to be able to talk to this topic you've got the infrastructure experience you've got the consulting and the management experience. You are a, an Amazon professional. How would you even consider retooling, or should you consider retooling towards Azure?
3: Well, here's the good news. If you're good with AWS right now, moving into Azure is going to be a lot easier than it is for someone that's brand new to cloud because it's all the same stuff with different names. Yep. Right, and so, and that's even, you know, to the point where we were kind of talking before the show, like, you know, talking about career transition and kind of moving from exchange to the cloud. All of this stuff that we did in the exchange world is like stuff I started doing in AWS, like building VMs with volumes and networks spanned across different regions and doing DNS. You know, like all this stuff we've been working on, I was doing that in AWS. But so what I'm getting at is, like number one, it's going to be an easier transition because you already know a lot of the patterns and practices. Yeah, a VMs a VM. But, yeah. Object storage is this, basically the same concept in AWS as it is in Azure, and so on, right? But the other thing that I would say to all that is like right now, if all, all you are is AWS, that is the biggest vulnerability for your career. Because I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm doing Azure and AWS and I'm going to start doing Google. And, you know, I know that you guys are doing that, too. Everybody's going to start doing that. So if you're mm-hmm. sitting there by yourself just doing one, mm-hmm. I think you're going to be screwed later when you want to have leverage in the job market to go pick the job that you want. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. going to help you to know more than one.
1: Well, it's like virtualizing and not knowing VMware or not knowing Zen or not yeah. knowing Hyper-V. Yeah, yep. I think that the days of a deep, solid professional are are numbered. Like, if if you do networking and it's only Cisco, mm-hmm. mm. how relevant are you?
3: It's so true. I have a buddy that's a CCIE, long time IT guy like us, you know, a couple decades, and he's like, dude, I'm becoming a, He's still doing the tech stuff, and he's like, man, they're turning me into a software engineer. It's well, like it's I'm learning SDN? Python and yeah, yep. and so yeah. To your point, like mm. that's the direction this is going. So get on the bus. You know, it's like that's what I would say to somebody on AWS. Don't like, um, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't be a one-trick pony, mm. right? Because at some point, that's going to come back to to haunt you a little bit, right? So you got to look and see what people are using. To me, that's why Google's interesting. Not because I have a passion to go learn another cloud, but just because I need to be able to speak to it because mm. my customers are starting to ask about it.
1: Otherwise, I'd ignore it. Contentious question Do you think it's relevant? Or do you think it's a me too? Do I think Google's relevant? Yeah, GCP. I do, in the big data space especially,
3: because they're good at that and they've spent the last couple decades crushing it there. Yeah. Um, so they've got a lot of good tools and services in that space. Um, and I think that, that, you know, for them, it's kind of like, they have, they have to be in that game, right? Because they're data center experts. Like They have to play that game um, to keep enabling their other parts of their business. They have to be good at building data centers. Can you be good at that? So I think they kind of have to. Um, but I think there is an element of, you know, we want to get in that game too. Yeah. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting for people that are building applications. I think for enterprises that are like moving, lifting, and shifting, and they're already on Microsoft, and it's going to take them a little bit longer. Like, obviously, Azure is the best probably the best bet in most cases Um, and I don't see Google being to me like something that I'm like a super interested in right now Hmm. I mean I I know that I need to understand that world but I don't envision a time where I'm gonna be telling my customers you guys got to go to Google
1: that's interesting just because we are coming towards the top of the hour and we're going right. to be losing our venue it's already this hey, yeah. Yeah. My yeah, it's yeah. Right. man fast yeah so I'll it's it's see you guys again like
0: and we and you know the thing is we've there's so much that you can unpack on this conversation on so yeah. this totally. topic right yeah. I so we can get going for a couple of hours yeah. Yeah. Have to yeah do a part 2 we might have to do a part 2 mm. maybe maybe we need to come on your show and then do a part 2 oh yeah
3: well here's here's the thing uh we could do that tomorrow if you guys want cool i we would be keen we could talk about that but yeah i'm i'm going to be recording a lot here this this week so
1: let's just ask you let's, um, can you do a plug for your show and anything else that you would like to blog yes. twitter account linkedin a web url anything yeah, thank you for that
3: yeah so definitely check out my show cloudskills.fm so I'll have you guys on there and, and we'll kind of do that um, so I, I do a weekly podcast and uh,
2: how do you keep up the cadence on that
3: um you have got to carve it out right okay. just like be right. it's got to go on the on the calendar yeah. and then yeah. like and just i'm kind of it. like that now because i've got so much going on in like business and life and stuff like everything's mapped out in my calendar Good. i don't do that i have somebody do that for me and then what it, whatever it says on the calendar i do it yeah. um, and so that's how i'm able to stay weekly uh, i thought i was going to miss it last week but i was it would've been the first time we didn't do since we started we didn't do a weekly show but i made it i published on friday so it's not easy well done fantastic um, but um, so that's something to check out, cloudskills.fm. Just head over in a browser, you can find it on all the other, uh, you know, like iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it these days. Um, Cloudskills.io is my company. So we're 50% training, 50% consulting. Um, and you know, by the time you guys are listening to this, there'll probably be something new uh, coming out that we have. So we've been r- running some immersive programs over the last year or so. Um, last year we did one where it was like a six week program. Uh it's really inspired by Microsoft Certified Masters, right? Yes. And so, you know, we basically except for going to Redmond mm-hmm. and then getting your ass kicked for three weeks straight, right? <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> but, so it's more like jump on a Zoom call once a week for four hours. Wow. And then, um, and, and then so it's cool. And then what happened is a few of those people in that program ended up co-authoring a book with Tim Warner and I. So we've got a book, uh, AZ-300 book coming out, Microsoft Press book coming out this month. Um, so that was really cool. but anyways, we're doing another one of those, and I'm opening the doors in, in the end of this month, November. Uh, so it's going to be DevOps focused. So anybody that wants to get DevOps certified Woo-hoo. in Azure, I'm trying that's to run my cool. exam here, but the slide's yeah. just broken. Yeah, so um, <laughs> that's what we're doing. So Cloudskills.io. If uh, if you go to the website, and that's not up yet, just uh, opt into our our email list at the bottom of the page. Watch the uh, CI/CD webinar that's on there, and then you'll get the emails when we go live. Fantastic. And I'll be pretty loud about it, but that's what we got going on. And so, hoping to get a bunch of people certified, and then once we do Microsoft, we'll kind of pivot and do another one. We're gonna do some Kubernetes stuff. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So, awesome,
0: nice. fantastic. Wow, that sounds like something I want to check out for sure. Yeah, just just for my own personal. Yeah, and
3: like. that's that's one of the things we do in those programs. Like, it's not just me. Like, we've got all kinds of other people coming in that are experts teaching. You know, this last run we did, we had guys like Dan Wallin, who's a Docker captain and Microsoft MVP, uh, um, Steve Buchanan, who's another Microsoft MVP, a bunch of people, Tim Warner. So. Uh, we have a lot of people come through and that's kind of what we do so i'm just yeah. like kind of like an mcm except it's not microsoft people it's yeah. microsoft community folks that so sounds awesome yeah well thank you Thank you for your time, Mike. really appreciate it. Um, we've
0: got a, a new segment that we're actually kind of s- kicking off here at Ignite as well. Um, so something new to add to the show. So um, we're doing a, a community uh, segment that we want to sort of start doing on every episode that we do. So whenever we, we publish every two or three or sometimes every month, depending on how we do it, we're not quite as disciplined as you getting it done every week. Um, but, but really the idea here is, is uh, you know, to everyone listening is if you run a community event in your community, uh, it, a meetup, or um, you know, if you're putting on a, a, a Saturday event or anything like that, you know, reach out to us via social. Uh, we'd love to get you on to to sort of plug the event that you're doing. Um, we've also you know got a great sponsor who's come on board to kind of sponsor the 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 segment. So um, we're working with e Software. Um, so e now is a leading provider of Exchange, uh, hybrid, and Office 365 monitoring and reporting. Their solutions help customers manage over 550 million mailboxes. Um, and they've got the stuff deployed in over 130 countries. So really, really cool stuff. Check them out. They're our, s- our sort of segment sponsor. Uh, and for today's segment, we're actually going to have Nick tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Cloud Friday.
1: Yeah. So Cloud Friday is something that I started because I was frustrated with traditional user groups. And I didn't want to go anywhere on a Tuesday night. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: So I'd make it on just a Friday. Stay online, lay in bed
1: naked, and just do that thing, right? Well, um, I mean there was clothing th- involved, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we decided to do this stuff in business hours. So effectively what teams. we've done, we use Teams to glue two cities together. Oh, and so I I, I've got myself in Cape Town, I've got Warren in Johannesburg, and we've got the Cape Town and Johannesburg Azure community. and At Ad, both Microsofts. At both ah, Microsofts and or push. other venues, but Teams is the glue. And yeah, so we co-present topics across two cities and then we keep the stuff in a team's team so whoever attends physically or virtually gets access to all of the content we record everything we make it pretty and we publish in YouTube for now until stream catches up and then we'll publish there Mm -hmm. but for now cloudfridays.co.za for our American audience is the (laughs) place to go (laughs) and we meet every second Friday where we can, we are selfish over Christmas we don't so, we'll kick off again in January, Dang. February. Yeah. Nice.
3: I'll have to check that out, man. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. Also, what we've decided uh, to be very intentional about is we've taken all the presentation material, we publish it in GitHub, and we're going to record the how-to and make it an open source. Yeah, and
2: demos ha- and all yeah. that kind of stuff.
1: How to do this particular style of community and open source it and give it away. Oh, dude.
3: That's awesome. That's really cool of you guys to do cool. that. That's really cool. Good deal. And nice again,
2: shot. thank you everybody for listening to our podcast. As you remember, we are live at Microsoft Ignite and Microsoft is giving away some Surface earbuds. And in order to enter, please go to https, colon, forward slash, forward slash, aka.ms, product, oh, podcast sweepstakes. But please do remember that there is a capital P and a capital S in podcast sweepstakes. So again, aka.ms, slash, podcast sweepstakes please do enter before the 15th of december 2019 Mike, thank it. you so much thanks guys really thanks, had a guys. lot of fun here thanks a lot hey everyone before you go we just wanted to say thank you for listening we really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks please visit us at the or alternatively drop us a tweet we'd love to hear what you have to say at the cloud arc